0: is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today.
1: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95.
3: Prince Philip's life celebrated in a touching memorial, True Royalty TV co-founder Nick Bullen helps us break it all down.
2: Uh, And the messaging from the Queen is my family may well um, have been through sort of terminals over the last few months, but um, we are united as a family.
3: Plus we discuss the highs and the lows from William and Kate's Caribbean tour.
0: I know you're all looking forward to celebrating 50 years of independence. Your golden anniversary.
3: And podcast royal co-host Rachel Birchfield helps us break down Kate's most talked about royal tour
1: fashion moments. Kate is just such a stunningly beautiful woman and that green gown was just the
3: icing on the cake for me. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and it is a big week in royal news. I know Christine, we say it every single week, but this week especially, lots to get to.
0: There's so much to get to. I think we have two amazing interviews this week. I'm really excited to to get to those later in the show. But yeah, this was a a big one. (laughs)
3: Definitely. Before we get all into it, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Aga says this was a successful tour. The people who came out to welcome them were more in numbers than those who protested against them. HRH Prince William and Catherine were elegant and beautiful in their attires. They really had fun. What a beautiful couple and family. Yeah. We're going to kind of break this all down. This got a lot of people talking. Uh, we said, you know, highs and lows, um, good and bad.
0: So a lot of people, a lot of people had opinions on it. Yeah. Yeah, There was a lot. Um, there's so much to talk about with this tour. I think just in terms of, um, you know, the the people's reactions and the coverage of it and the fashion especially. Yeah, definitely.
3: And Well, Daniel said, one thing I've noticed on the tour is the difference between the coverage in the press and social media compared with the reaction of the people who see them. Another good point and Cheryl said the Caribbean
0: islands are entitled to their freedom from the British royals. Yeah, I thought that this was just the Caribbean tour in general was such a, raised so many interesting discussions and debates and things like that. Um, I I mean, I'm excited. I think we'll get into it a little bit later in the show and really dive in. But I loved hearing everyone's different perspectives. Definitely. Well,
3: before we talk about the tour, we have to talk about uh, the royal family gathering at Westminster Abbey for the service of Thanksgiving to honor Prince Philip's life. Uh, We're going to do this in our royal roundup. Um, In addition to members of the royal family, the congregation included over 500 representatives of Prince Philip's patronages and charities. It was a moving, moving service. Queen Elizabeth made her first appearance um, in five months. So here is a quick peek. That's such a, a beautiful moving service.
0: It was very emotional. I found myself getting a little bit, I was getting choked up. So yeah. you know everyone else was getting really <laughs> emotional.
3: Definitely. Well, to help us break this down
0: even further is True reality TV co-founder Nick Bullen. This was her first public appearance um, in in months, I think five months time since we've seen her publicly. Um, what can you say about how determined she was to be there and maybe you know what steps she took to make sure that she was there today?
2: Mm-hmm. For me, I don't think there was any doubt that she was um, not going to be there. There was no doubt that she was going to be there, rather. She, um, this was, you know, her husband, Mm -hmm. uh, as she said, her strength and stay, she was going to be there by hook or by crook. And um, she came in by crook. She was literally holding that shepherd's crook when she came in. Um, I think the, the messaging from the whole royal family was incredible. You know, you mentioned... The Duke of Edinburgh, green, a number of them were in green. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. Camilla was wearing the badge of the Rifles, which was the regiment that Prince Philip handed over to Camilla. That was one of his last public appearances. Lady Louise, his granddaughter, you know Edward and Sophie's daughter, was wearing the equestrian brooch that she wore at his funeral. So there's a huge amount of symbolism within the service. I thought it was also. Um, very powerful, very moving, that George and Charlotte were there. You know, it's the first time that they've been seen at some big family event. Um, So I I thought the whole thing was sort of full of symbolism, and I am certain that the Queen always intended to be there in whatever way.
3: Yeah. I mean, what message do you think that she was sending having Prince Andrew escort her into uh, Westminster Abbey?
2: I think the message the Queen was sending out at that point with having Andrew by her side was that this is a family event. This is Mm -hmm. a family Thanksgiving for um, the the head of the family. And if you look at the range of people that that were there, it was a very personal event, albeit in one of the largest churches in Britain. But, you know, it had all of his cousins from the Mountbatten side were sitting immediately opposite the royal family behind the royals. You had virtually every crowned head of Europe, all of whom are cousins of Philip and the queen. Um, And I think, you know, that was the big message. This is a family event Mm -hmm. and the queen wanted the support of one of her children to bring her in. Um, And Andrew was clearly going to be that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it, It was, it was very clearly not a public or state event. It was a family event uh, and the messaging from the Queen is in my family may well um, have been through sort of turmoils over the last few months, but um, we are united as a family. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that's,
0: there were so many moments of, um, you saw them just as as a family, as almost an, an almost normal family. Um, and I know you spoke of the personal touches that we saw, like Lady Louise's brooch. What other personal touches were there that were sort of, you know, sentimental um, reminders of the Duke of Edinburgh and and of the Queen herself?
2: I think there were so many little reminders of the Duke from um, the the pieces of music that were being played mm-hmm. even before the Queen arrived through to the guest list. I'm told that the Queen was signing off every final detail. The Duke had planned his funeral, you know, way before um, his own death. And, of course, that funeral was curtailed by COVID. So I think today was very much what he wanted, what the Queen wanted, uh, and what the family wanted.
3: I know a lot of people on social media were commenting that Queen Elizabeth seemed a bit emotional when they sang God Save the Queen. Did you notice that as well? And, you know, she's been so strong through all of this. You know, there's those images of her, you know, sitting alone at Prince Philip's funeral. And, you know, we're coming up on a year anniversary. So, I mean, this has to be a, a, a very emotional t- time for her.
2: I think it's true. I think, as Christine said, you know, there were lots of sort of emotional moments in it. Mm-hmm. And the um, for me, I think probably one of the most emotional moments was when they were singing, guide me, O oh, Thou great redeemer. And I think that's when the Queen's eyes really seemed to, to well. But as Christine said, it was, a, you know, it was a family event. And if you were at the memorial for your husband, father, grandfather, you're going to um, uh, possibly shed a tear. And I think the fact that she held it together so well, one of the bits that I thought was very powerful was right at the beginning of the service, when the um, the first hymn was being sung, I don't know if you noticed Beatrice, Princess Beatrice, had to cover her face with her order of service mm-hmm. and um, she um, needed to get a tissue out and her husband turned to her to look after her and she was really fighting back the tears and I'm sure we've all been there. When you go to a funeral you start singing that hymn, often that's when the emotion surges and I thought for me that was again a lovely family moment. This was a granddaughter mourning her grandfather.
0: It, it was so um, moving to see, so, like we said, it, it was a family event. It was so moving to see so many family members there, especially the great grandchildren, who I think we could tell were so important to the Duke of Edinburgh. Did we know that, you know, especially George and Charlotte, but I know that um, Island Spanner were there, Mia and Tyndall were there. Um, did we expect that they would be there? What, you know, what does this say about this service?
2: I don't think anyone realized that the, the youngest of the children, all the young children were going to arrive. Okay, Louis wasn't there and some of the, the younger Tyndall children weren't there. But,
0: Probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> <a better> thing.
2: <laughs> Did you notice Charlotte? Charlotte couldn't stop looking around, you know, Charlotte's eyes were spinning everywhere. But I think, no, I don't think people were expecting the great grandchildren. Um, and I think, it, again, it's what you say. It just points to this family event. And mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, right now, There are um, receptions happening at Kensington Palace where sort of all the royal family and the royals from around the world have all got together, like any other family. It's that sort of... (laughs) And I think, you know, the fact that COVID prevented it from happening before, you know, this is their opportunity to get together. And what I particularly liked was at the beginning, um, people were chatting, people were laughing, people were smiling. It felt... Um, it felt like a Thanksgiving. It didn't feel like that sort of a very sad funeral. It did feel like a celebration and they, um, uh, and I think the, the family really nailed it.
3: Yeah, definitely a celebration of life. And I know that you have a celebration, a documentary coming out, uh, soon on true royalty TV, Prince Philip, Prince, husband and father. So what will we learn about Prince Philip? And out of all of these roles, which did he love the best?
2: Well, that's a great question. I think, you know, what you learn from this new documentary on true is is um, how self-deprecating he was. Mm. You know, this was, whenever we filmed him, whenever I spoke to him, he really wasn't interested in who he was. You know, the prince part was probably the least important part. His naval career was hugely important. His role as a father, hugely important. But also probably his biggest role was as um sort of consort and support to the queen. Um, and this was a guy who was born into service and he was born in a Royal family. He went through military service. And what you learn in this documentary is that service was at his absolute core. Mm -hmm. And he, he wanted to continue with his Naval career. But when the queen became a queen at such a young age, um, he had taken a vow of service and the greatest service he could do to his country was to support his monarch. So you really learn that. Um, you also just learn that um, uh, he had very little truck with anybody. There was that great thing, I don't know if you saw the Prince of Wales talking this morning, um, and you get some documentary uh, about how the Wales have been talking to Philip just before he died, and um, the day before he died. And they were talking about arranging his 100th birthday, and um, Charles was sort of saying to, saying to me, what would you like to happen? Who would you like to be there? And Philip went, just sort of looked up from his, I guess what was nearly his deathbed, and said, well, I'm gonna have to be alive, aren't I, for there to be a party? And <laughs> those, those, those moments where it, sort of, that he just pricked. He once, um, I was talking to him about, uh, sort of you know, how he felt about the life that he'd led. And he looked at me and just went, felt, felt, I didn't feel anything. I just did it. And it's that, and I think it's that great thing you learn in this documentary. This is, you know, we're all so tied up at the moment with how we feel about things and the emotions of everything. Um, this was a man that came from another world that just wasn't about feelings and emotion. He just mm-hmm. got up and did it.
3: All right. Well, make sure everybody check out uh, Prince Philip, Prince Husband, Father, available April 1st on True Royalty TV. It's definitely
0: going to be uh, a must watch. Yeah, definitely. I love True Royalty TV. <laughs> I do too. He's got such interesting um, perspectives on there. Definitely. All
3: right. Well, let's get into Duchess Kate and Prince William's eight-day Caribbean tour. Before their departure, William released a statement about the controversy that followed them in Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. But first, take a look at his final speech beach in the bahamas
0: we support with pride and respect your decisions about your future relationships evolve
2: friendship endures
3: All right. Well, uh, like I said, he released a statement shortly after the tour wrapped up. Um, He said, I know that this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and the future. In Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas, the future is for the people to decide upon. Catherine and I are committed to service. For us, that's not telling people what to do. It is about serving and supporting them in whatever whatever they think best by using the platform we are lucky to have. It is why tours such as this reaffirm our desire to serve the people of the Commonwealth and to listen. To communities around the world, who the Commonwealth chooses to lead its family in the future isn't what is on my mind. What matters to us is the potential the Commonwealth family has to create a better future for the people who form it and our commitment to serve and support the best as best we can. Now, a lot of people are saying this is like an unprecedented statement from a member of the royal family.
0: Yeah. You know, the royal family really lives by the never complain, never explain mantra. And this was that, you know, William explaining, I think Um, this was sort of, if not the first time, one of the first times that we've seen a member of the royal family really immediately and publicly respond to public criticism. Normally, again, they just kind of, they keep their heads down, they, they keep doing their work. But this time I think William and Kate really heard, mm-hmm. um, the feedback, the, the, you know, um, the comments that they were getting from, from on social media and the press sort of the, you know, the criticisms of the tour. I think that they heard that. And this was William's way of responding and saying, we've heard what you're saying. You know, we do want to see this change. You are free to, um, make the right decisions for your country and for the Commonwealth. I thought it was such a, such a powerful move. Yeah, it definitely was. And because you know, so many people argued um, that
3: this tour felt kind of cringeworthy and a bit out of touch, you know, uh, Kate and William riding in the back of the Land Rover, you know, touching kids through chain link fences and things like that. There was a lot of images that uh, startled a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I have to agree. Some of it did feel a bit out of touch and a bit cringeworthy and, you know, tours back in the fifties can't
0: look the same as it does in
3: 2022.
0: Right. I think so much of this was um, kind of literally from production perspective because when you had those um, you know, those chain link fence photos, you looked at them and you're like, oh, yeah. it looked ter- from an optics point of view, it was terrible. From a PR point of view, it just looked awful. But then when you kind of zoomed back, it was just them greeting children like they were greeting every other child or every other person that came to see them. But I think that the that the optics were really um maybe not well thought out or there were some moments that you know they needed different guidance or they needed to think things through a little bit more. Um I do think that this was a, an an interesting um example of uh, I want to say like the press really leading the story mm-hmm. because you know it, it was very purposeful for them to choose those photos of the chain link fence and not them greeting children on the other side of the field where you know you didn't have that optic. So yeah. overall I just thought it was really interesting. There were definitely moments for improvement. There were definitely some what were you thinking moments. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's definitely a, like you said, maybe the tours need to look a little bit different moving forward. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think Royal
3: ch- tours have to change will change. I mean, yeah, it's just, it can't be the same as it was 50 years ago that, you know, people are different. Mindsets are different. Uh, perspectives are different. So, you know, we kind of have to keep up with our times. And that's kind of what William said in that statement. You know, he, he kind of his eyes were open uh, to what the people were hearing. He's listening to what the people have to say. And like you said, you know he's telling everybody do what's best for your country i will be here as your friend i won't be here as a leader i will be here as your friend going forward so i think that was really important and they heard the message and that just i feel like kind of shows what kind
0: of king he will be one day yeah, definitely. You know, I think it shows what kind of King he'll be. I think it shows what the tours might look like going forward. You know, the events and the, 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 um, you know, the moments in these Royal tours that really people love or that get the most press coverage tend to be kind of the more down to earth ones. Yeah. So you think about, um, you know, like the, the dancing or the making, you know, the grinding cocoa beans, things that are very down to earth. Um, and the ones that really were got, got criticism were the really old, old school ones, you know? Yeah. You know, like the Jeep ride, sort of that that walk about through the chain link fence. You know, those were really, really old school kind of traditional moments. Whereas the more modern, down to earth moments were the ones that people really loved. Mm-hmm. So I think we are going to see a more modern. Um, view in the monarchy in William and Kate moving forward. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like, you know, maybe more countries will follow in Barbados's
3: footsteps, you know, leaving the Commonwealth. Maybe that, you know, Jamaica kind of alluded to the fact that they were, you know, thinking about doing that as well. So we'll kind of have to see what happened, but it wasn't all bad. There were, like you said, some fun, lighthearted moments, you know, meeting with children, you know, sailing, trying new foods, going to, you know, the cocoa fields and things like that. There were some fun, fun moments that they had on this
0: It was, yeah, there were some really, really fun moments. Um, And I really think that's where William and Kate shine. They are still young. They are still really vibrant and down to earth. Um, I love anything that they do with children, I think is so wonderful. And there were so many moments that I think the press didn't pick up on. They met with children who were affected by Hurricane Dorian and they actually met with them privately. There were no cameras allowed. But after that private meeting, they actually prayed with the children with their foster families. And that was a really moving moment um, to see all of them praying together, I think was really special. And then there was one moment that I di- can't understand why this didn't get more coverage, but the Duchess of Cambridge ate what's called a conch pickle. Yes. <laughs> did you see this? I did, I did. And Her it, mouth's like it, wide open. <laughs> it is the male reproductive organ. Yes. I mean- <laughs> And I I'm like, there were so many opportunities for headlines here, guys. Like, why didn't you pick up on this? Um, opportunities. She, yeah, she did it is a local delicacy. She did say that she is an adventurous eater. But yeah, I think that um there were some really, really fun moments that that didn't get the airtime that they should have. Definitely. Um,
3: And, you know, also some great fashion moments that we're going to break down a little bit later with Rachel. We kind of take you through a lot of her different looks, 17 different looks, and we'll talk all about it. So definitely stay tuned for that. But while the Cambridges were in the Caribbean, the Prince of Wales and Duchess Camilla were in Ireland. The aim at the visit was to promote and preserve Ireland's rich musical tradition, and the Royals learned the best way to do so was by taking part, of course. So take a quick look.
2: It was all I could do to to stop myself uh, trying to join in the dancing
3: but it didn't take me very long this gentleman however to work out that I would have
2: needed uh, a period of vigorous fitness training uh, and a great deal more Guinness to have carried out such a feat.
3: So, yeah, like you said, you know, the best uh, some of our favorite royal moments is when they get in there and, you know, show off a little Irish jig.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that, you know, those really are the moments that um, people love to see. But I also think that for the people they're meeting, those experiences are invaluable. You know, like dancing with the future king is something that those dancers are going to remember for their whole life. And that makes it much more special Mm -hmm. than that time that they performed for him. You know, those Sort of hands-on experiences Just make it more special For the people who are there
3: Yeah, definitely All right, well A very happy Mother's Day To everyone watching in the UK Christine, happy Mother's Day Um, The royal family celebrated By posting photos With their mothers The queen posting this photo With her mother Queen Elizabeth The queen mother And her sister Princess Margaret The caption read Wishing all those celebrating today A very special Mothering Sunday Yeah, so very um, It seems Prince Charles also posted A f- photo with Queen Elizabeth So I, I always love Seeing the throwback pictures. I was hoping one from the uh,
0: Cambridges, but we didn't get one. I know. I think they were tired. Yes. <laughs> I did love that photo a few years ago where they shared the cake that the kids made for yes. Kate. That was so cute. Um. But I also loved that in that in the post that Clarence House made where they have um, Prince Charles with his mother, the Queen. They also included a, philo, a, a photo of Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, yes. with her mother. I hadn't seen that before, so I feel like that was another marker of Camilla sort of owning her um, role within the family. Yeah. She looks just like her mom too. Crazy. She does. It's like the hairstyle is the same. (laughs) Totally the same. All right. Well,
3: now it is time to break down the royal rules and Kate's royal fashion. And to help us do that is podcast royal co-host Rachel Birchfield. Let's take a look, Rachel. It is so good to see you as always. We always love getting your perspective and having you on the show and You know, we are coming off of this big Caribbean tour, which had a lot of people talking both good and bad, but we want to talk fashion and kick it off with, you know, this is like our first big royal tour since pre-pandemic. So how would you say Kate's style has evolved in the past couple of years? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me
1: on. Again, I always love being on the show and I'm a longtime listener. Um, To your question, I'm not sure it's evolved so much as it's just a different Royal Tour setting. The last time we saw Kate on a tour of roughly this length was in 2019 and she and William were in Pakistan and she dressed appropriately for that setting. And when it comes to royal tour dressing, really the formula is basically this. What is weather appropriate? First of all, what is the formality of the engagements we're going to be at? And if possible, can we give a nod somehow to the host country while also celebrating British fashion? So Kate's Pakistan looks in 2019 were very appropriate for where they were, and so were her Caribbean looks. I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, even in the midst of a very complex is an understatement and intense tour, I thought her fashion choices we're just knockout after knockout. And so on a high level for this tour, there were 17 outfits selected. And as my uh, friend, I'd like to think she's my friend. I've interviewed her before, I love her. Elizabeth Holmes rightly pointed out each country they visited. So of course Belize, Jamaica and the Bahamas has its own color palette, mostly corresponding with the colors of each country's flag. So I love to look at the outfit choices as they unfold day to day, but it's even more fun I think to look at them side by side after the tour ends all in one place. And you begin to see the pattern and the well-crafted message the wardrobe is sending. And So in Belize, you've got a lot of blue and red, which are the colors of Belize's flag. Then in Jamaica, that first yellow Roxanda dress that I loved, then two stunning green looks which match the country's flag again. And continuing that pattern, lots of lighter blue in the Bahamas and some colors like mint green that kind of mimic the sea. it's really a fashion story and I, and I love it right down to the first blue Jenny Packham look in Belize to the final Alessandra Rich look in the Bahamas the skirt sootish looks if you will it all comes together and a lot of the looks actually will, I know we'll talk about this in a moment harken back to previous looks of the queens while on tour in the same places since this tour is to celebrate her platinum jubilee so the bottom line is there's just so much thought that goes into this and it's actually quite beautiful when you think about it. We
0: mm-hmm. kind of saw a lot of nods to other royals and the outfits that she chose. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to that, you know, any sort of familiar styles from from Queen Elizabeth, from Princess Diana? Yeah. Well, I feel like always Kate is, is
1: so good at paying homage to other members of the family, specifically Diana and the queen. And there's almost always a throwback to one of those two women. And we did get a, a strong nod to Queen Elizabeth while in Jamaica in that white dress and circular white hat. Do you remember that look? Um, that was a throwback to an outfit Her Majesty wore on her own commonwealth tour not long after her coronation and she's also been kate has also been wearing many of the queen's accessories while on tour we've seen that multiple times where she'll bring out uh earrings or a brooch of the queen's And wear that. And the final, final look, uh, the very 1980s inspired Alessandra Rich yellow and white look when they're getting on the plane, the polarizing one. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Maybe you're calling that a nod to Diana's style in the 1980s. That was a very 80s style look with the belt, the shoulders, and, uh, and and even Kate's green Jenny Packham gown closely mirrors a green gown Diana wore in the 1980s. So Diana shows up so much in Kate, and not only Kate, but Megan's outfits, if you know what you're looking for.
3: I'd love, Rachel, I'd love to know, you said that this tour was pretty much flawless. So is it possible to pick a favorite a favorite look well let me clarify that i think it was flawless from a fashion perspective yes, from a fashion state yeah
2: yes
1: i don't know if i would i don't know if i would call it flawless all all the way around but um gosh that's that's so tough because i really did like so many um at least from a fashion perspective you know my mind keeps returning to that green jenny Packham gown. Mm-hmm. When I saw that look, so I co-host the Royal Podcast as well, mm-hmm. Podcast Royal. When when I saw that look, I happened to be out to dinner with my co-host, which we do every couple of weeks. We just happened to be together. It popped up on my Instagram feed and it took both of our breath away. Mm-hmm. And that's what well, that's what you want when you're planning outfits for a tour. You want to have your breath be taken away. Um, and not just the gown. The gown was beautiful, but the hair and, and the makeup of that it's just the whole package mm-hmm. of that look she Kate is just such a stunningly beautiful woman and that green gown was just the icing on the cake for me definitely
3: Christine did you have a favorite
0: um I I actually my favorite look um was the pink rixo dress on the last day I love been- that too I, I loved love that. that so much and it's been hugely controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's this great shot where she's in that pink dress with the big gold earrings and the cool sunglasses. And I'm just in love with that whole moment. <laughs> I loved that.
1: I loved that look too. That is an honorable mention for me. That, And um, I mean, I just, I loved the Tory Birch too. Like we don't often see yeah. her in American designers. Mm-hmm. And that made this little American really happy to see Tory Birch come out on tour. And um, it's just, yeah, I loved the So I agree with you.
3: Yeah. So many good looks. Any misses? Um,
1: The only miss I would say would be that I wish that she had incorporated more local designers into her garments. She did so pretty well with accessorizing, but um you know I think I think that was the main fashion controversy on the trip. And um you know again there's such a plethora of designers to choose from especially when in Jamaica so that left questions on the table for a lot of people. And then okay, I have to say that polarizing last little 1980s number um that that kind of just came out of nowhere for me. It didn't really it didn't it, it was the last look of the two, and I guess maybe, you know, you could say, okay, well, we're kind of buttoning it up the way we started with kind of a skirt suit look, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. And, um, it's actually growing on me as the days pass. I mean, it's only been about three days since I saw (laughs) it, but, uh, it kind of, it just didn't seem like there was a rhyme or a reason for that. Look, not that there really has to be, but it's just seemed to random into a really well-coordinated tour, at least from a sartorial perspective. So I don't know, but that I will tell you that is growing on me by the day. So maybe in a week, I'll love it, but I I don't know. It's pretty
3: polarizing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Christine, any misses for you?
0: Um, I, I would agree with Rachel. I think that there was opportunity for, um, you know, one or two Jamaica, you know, local designers, uh, that we really would have liked to have seen. Although I do see where the choices come from. I have to say that the regatta outfit was a bit of a letdown for me. Normally we see Kate in like full nautical, like very much dressing to a theme sort of looks. And this one where it was just like a white polo and khaki shorts was a bit gym teacher for (laughs) me.
1: Yeah, it was very, very, very casual, and we've yes. seen her. We've seen her sail before, like at the King's Cup, and I preferred that look to this. But um, her other casual look, we can't leave that out because, of course, she killed it with the three gowns. I thought, yes. um, but the casual looks, like I really enjoyed the look when she went to the Mayan architectural site. Mm-hmm. Um, the sunglasses in particular, like when Kate puts on shades, I don't know why that just elevates everything for me. She's just like the ultimate cool girl for me.
3: All right. Well, before we wrap up, we have to check in on our pint size, our Royal kids and Princess Eugenie celebrated Mother's Day and her birthday by showing off some photos of her son, August. We still haven't seen his face, but she's definitely uh, giving us a little bit more content.
0: (laughs) I know. I loved that. I loved this photo. It looks like they were out at a museum, just a Mm -hmm. family day out. It's so cute. So Again, we've talked about this throughout the show but these down to earth moments are really what people love to see from the Royals. Um, but yeah, I love seeing her little glimpses at little August's life. They seem really happy. They do seem really happy. Keep them coming. We love it. Um, Christine, thank you so much. Well,
3: we covered a lot in the show. Um, I know that you guys probably have a lot of comments, so we'd love to hear them. Please let us know what you guys think and uh, keep commenting, keep subscribing and we'll see you guys next week.